how he learned how to reparent himself after a less than ideal upbringing, how to build relationships when you're scared of asking for help, good relational habits that you should put in place, how he was able to meet Damon John and work for him and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 528 with an award-winning entrepreneur, nationally coveted speaker, and a top-ranked podcast host, Matt Labrie. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. If you need something to motivate you to work out, even when you're running on fumes, if you're finding it tricky to prioritize yourself and your health and fitness, if you need the flexibility to exercise any day at any time, then give me 30 minutes and I bet you'll come back for more. Try out our free trial of the 10 week transformation and it will give you three things. Number one, you'll learn the five steps to goal success. Number two, you'll gain access to three free video workouts that are high energy, very motivating, and are sure to be fun and give you a great sweat. And number three, you'll learn how to plan and set yourself up for success each and every week. You can sign up for this free trial at nickcarrier.com slash free trial. Again, get access to three workouts that you're going to love today by going to nickcarrier.com slash free trial. Today, I'm super excited to introduce y'all to Matt Labrie. Matt is a born and raised New Yorker who inevitably caught the hustler spirit that fills his hometown streets. After working with Damon John of Shark Tank, Matt launched his top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success, which has featured the likes of Mel Robbins, Grant Cardone, and many more. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Matt Labrie. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast today. I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Matt Labrie. Matt, just want to start off by saying appreciate you spending time with me today, bro. Nick, come on, man. I, I need to be thanking you, dude. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put this on record while we're recording. As mentioned a couple seconds ago, your energy is infectious in the best way possible. You just made me smile with the question you asked. Like, what you're putting out into the world, dude, is absolutely incredible from creator to creator. I know how important it is to receive that type of feedback. I am beyond grateful to be here with you to chop it up, dude. So let's do this. Let's have some fun. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. I always appreciate the kind words. Um, I kind of want to dive a little bit into your story. So I know that you grew up in Queens and you grew up in a little bit in a divorced home. Um, your childhood was not necessarily a ideal childhood. You uh, we're a big basketball player growing up. You played baseball growing up. You got kicked out of a couple of high schools. Uh, so I kind of want to start there. Talk to me about who Matt was when you were in high school. What caused you to get kicked out of high school and what caused you to like have the issues? And when did you start to like turn things around, I guess, in a more positive trajectory? Yeah, man. I think the best way to summarize all of the events that you just described is Matt at that time was just looking for love. I just wanted to feel love. We come into this world with love. We leave this world with love. Everything that happens in between can oftentimes be in search of love. And I was in search of that love. I don't sit here to cast blame on my parents 
it's my responsibility at this point at 30 years old to provide myself with the reparenting that I need to give myself that love and overcome the cards that I was dealt. You know, I'm not here to sit here and play victim. Um, but that is the best way to describe it, dude. And I didn't know any better. What we don't know is what we don't know, man. And I did not know what I didn't know at that point in my life. So what I did was try to get the attention that I was seeking from those that I loved, hence my mother, my father, or anyone in between, I would act out. That was what I was doing. I was completely acting out. And it all turned around for the most part, pretty crazy to say. I think we could, uh, and I know that you'll resonate with this, like we all have different turning points and multiple turning points in our life. I think the biggest one for me was June of 2020 when I found myself in a relationship, not receiving what I needed. And it took me to be in that relationship to realize like, whoa, this isn't what I need. This isn't what I deserve. Right. It took me, I don't know, how old was I? 27 in 2020. It took me 27 years to realize like, dude, like something's wrong here. And I put myself in therapy and that was the absolute game changer, the absolute turn mm. inward. Gotcha. That's awesome. I want to go back because I know that a lot of people will relate to varying degrees to this of you talking about how you feel like you needed to reparent yourself and or and you are taking responsibility for reparenting yourself at this point in your life and there were some things that were potentially missing from a parenting standpoint growing up. Talk to us about what that looks like. Cause I think you know there's a lot of people who are listening who either have divorced parents or they they feel like they were lacking certain things from their parents that they maybe wish they had had. And so talk to us a little bit about what reparenting yourself and kind of like leading yourself through that lens looks like. A hundred percent. I'm going to break it down by example, right? I vividly remember, don't quote me on my age, but I was in elementary school. My mother and father were divorced at this point. And again, I, I point this out. I'm not casting blame on them. I'm merely speaking from my life experience here and I'm not throwing them under the bus. Like this is, I, I put that out there, but first and foremost, I remember vividly in elementary school, my mother was choosing my sister over me, who's six years younger. And she might say that she wasn't, and that's okay. That's her experience, her opinion, her perspective. But I vividly remember one summer, my father would always take the family down to Virginia, which is where his family lived. You know, my, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins were down there on his side. And I vividly remember my mother saying, why don't you go with your father and your sister will stay here with us? And I was like, wow, you don't want me like that. Like I, I can almost cry right now thinking about that. Like I really felt pushed away. I felt neglected. I felt rejected. And of course, you're going to be like, well, what's wrong with me? You know, um, and there were numerous instances where I felt pushed away. If I acted out, I would get threatened with going to military school. OK, that's the past. Fast forward to now. When I'm not receiving the attention or whatever, and I'll give you another example. My girlfriend just spent 10 days in Italy. I'm in New York City. There's a six-hour time difference. I started to feel some sort of neglect and just like, whoa, like we're not talking as much as we once did. That's not her fault. There's a time zone difference. It's my responsibility to give myself the attention that I am seeking. And I did not know this back then. Now I know that. So, okay, Matt, you are feeling neglect. You're feeling like you're on the back burner a little bit in this present moment. What do you do? Well, first of all, I feel it. 
I don't try and run from it. That's number one. I allow myself to feel it. I acknowledge it because that's a valid feeling. Now, is it a feeling that I want to have all the time? Absolutely not. Who wants to feel like that? But it's coming up. I don't sulk in it. I allow myself to feel it. I don't try and numb it away by opening a bottle of wine or turning on video games or watching a baseball game. Like, no, okay, number one, feel it. Number two, let's process it. For me personally, in that moment, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, what did I do? I pulled out my journal and I just started talking about it to myself on pen and paper or with pen and paper. What did that look like? What did it feel like? What can you do differently? Um, you can't control anyone else's actions. And then the third thing that I did to help repair myself was just communicate with my partner. Like, hey, this isn't your fault. This is what I'm feeling. And I just want to let you know how it feels. You know, it, it was as simple as that. Um, but it really took me some time to be able to get to that level, to communicate those things, to not feel ashamed of them. Uh, and am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. But for me, that is exactly what I've been doing is essentially giving myself what I've been seeking from external sources for years of my life. Mm. That's great. I, you know, I think it's, it's funny. I think so many people talk about improving your mindset and changing your mindset. And I think the word mindset is kind of a weird thing in the sense that it's very not tangible. It's like, what does that mean? And how do I improve it? Or what are ways that I improve it? And, but it's so massive. Like what you just pointed out was just simply a mindset shift. All it was, was I am not really doing anything to change the circumstances or the situation besides changing the way that I look at it. And then potentially, you know, taking some action like journaling to, to look at it a little bit differently. But I think so many times we can just look at a situation differently than how we are currently looking at it and it makes it 10 times different. So that's just an, a great example of what a practical mindset shift looks like to improve whatever it is that you're going through in the moment. Yeah, dude. And you know, just to add on to that, like if someone's listening to this and, and they feel like they can't do that, again, I will point out what I said earlier in this episode, like we don't know what we don't know. For years, I did not know this, you know, it really took diving inward. I mean, I utilized therapy as the the catalyst for that for years, it took me, I don't know, 27 years to really build that awareness. And then you're able to unlock another layer, another layer Dude, there's so many layers to transcend of us as we pursue the homecoming. Like we all need to come home to our true essence. There's different ways to do it. For me, it was therapy. Some people really come home when they're in a relationship because you're getting that mirror right in your face day yeah. in and day out. Like, dude, there's just so many ways, man. But that homecoming journey, it's powerful. Mm, I love it. Give me more explanation. I, I, I basically know what you mean when you say the homecoming journey. But when, for me, when I hear that, it's like the journey to the best version of yourself. It's like the journey to discovering like who it is that you're supposed to be, who it is that you're supposed to come and, bec and become and stuff like that. Yeah, the best version of yourself is what's already inside of you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, what's inside of you is your highest self, but off, and this is my opinion, right? This is, this is how I view it. The best version of you is within you. It's your highest self, but your highest self is oftentimes guarded, like backed by layers upon layers of protection because we or me 
have felt like we've needed to protect that version of ourselves because maybe it wasn't accepted in childhood. Maybe you were in elementary school and you didn't fit in with a certain crew or a crowd. Maybe it was that your parents at home pushed you away after a long day of work. You know, maybe your dad didn't play catch with you or shoot hoops with you or throw the football around or whatever it may be. So we guard that. So for me, the term homecoming is removing those layers and continuously removing them to find acceptance in ourself. And the more we accept ourselves for putting those layers on top of us, the more we transcend those layers, then boom, that's when we start to hit our true greatness, our best self, which again is inside of us. So that's how I view homecoming. Yeah, no, I love that perspective and philosophy on it. I want to dive a little bit back into your story. So in from the ages of about 17 to 24, about seven years you were running what you call a hospitality business, but you were essentially throwing parties for people in a, a successful business, and you had a lot of success at a, at a young age. And then you went back, or then you failed, then you dropped out of college. But I kind of want to stay at the 17 to 24 year old version of yourself. What are the different things that you learned that you experienced throughout those seven years of running that business that you wouldn't have otherwise experienced if you hadn't had that business? Great question. I'll sum it up in one word, relationships. Dude, relationships are the number one catalyst for my success and for my opportunities. I am so grateful. In fact, last night, my girlfriend was like, how do you know someone for everything? And I was like, I do, don't I? Like, it, It feels good to have access to what you want to have access to through relationship. I literally tweeted the other day, Every month, I'll take, I don't know, maybe an hour total throughout the entire month of just sending text messages to people that I haven't talked to in a while. Or right around Thanksgiving, what I'll do is I'll pick a random group of people that truly made an impact on me that particular year and write an email that they're not expecting, expressing my gratitude for them in detail. I mean, listen, it's not a 20-page novel I'm sending them, but it's a pretty lengthy email, maybe three to five paragraphs of like, hey, like, dude or hey girl or whatever it is like you know you impacted me this year i want to express my gratitude for what you mean to me dude relationships have been the absolute catalyst for my success for my growth for everything uh it led me to meet damon john of shark tank it led me to you know work with people like 50 cent or the jersey shortcast or anyone in between it led me to have the very tight-knit friend group that i have so the the best answer in short is relationship yeah I love how you gave some very specific kind of relational habits, if you will, that you implement as well, because there is an, there's an art and science to relationships. It's, it's, I feel like mostly art in regards to getting deep with people and really being close with them, but there's a science to it, meaning like you can implement habits like spend an hour a month just texting people, like write a letter or an email to somebody one time a week or one time a month or whatever it is. And like, so those of you guys listening to this and thinking, I want to improve my relationships. Yes, it's about how you show up in that relationship and there's the art to it. But there's also like, you can implement strategic habits in order to improve these relationships. Because I I do the same thing. I have certain times throughout the month where I reach out to past clients of mine or I go through kind of my Instagram feed and like, who do I need to reach out to about this? And there's so many strategic ways and not that you're looking for anything based off of the reaching out to that person. It's just expressing that you're there for them, that you're caring for them and that you're thinking about them that can be massive in your relationship with them. And and maybe it blossoms into something down the road. Maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. 
a hundred percent. And and dude, I don't know for for some reason, there's like a myth to relationships coming up in uh, on my mind. Do you mind if I share it real quick? Sure. I don't know why there's something that I personally had believed, and this is honestly the first time I'm ever talking about this. It, I I appreciate you provoking this out of me. I feel like there's a myth that I had bought into that a lot of people also buy into, which is that relationships are transactional to an extent they are, but I have so many people in my life that have done things for me and I really haven't done much for them. You know, when I can, sure, do I help them out? But I think that stops a lot of people from asking for help or asking for guidance or asking for mentorship or however you want to frame it. You know, I think a lot of people derive their value or feel really damn good when they do something for someone else. So it shouldn't stop us from asking for something or whatever. And of course, there's a proper way to ask for something. It's not like, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's like, hey, like, I know you could help me with this, you know, however you want to communicate that there's a proper way to go about it. But I, I just feel like that's a really big myth where it's like, oh, you know what, Nick, I need to do something for you because you just did something for me. Like, sure, our relationship's transactional to an extent, I would say so, but it's not purely transactional. You know, it's not like, all right, Nick's doing something for me right now. I need to do something for Nick tomorrow or I needed to do something for Nick yesterday. Right. It's like, all right, can Nick do something for me today? Yes. Let me ask. And I don't know. It's not about counting favors or anything of that sort. But I feel like I personally in the past have got caught up with thinking, you know what? Let me not ask this because I don't know what I can do for this person. It's like, no, just just ask and see what happens. Yeah, I want to explore this a little bit further and just kind of think out loud because I think it is such an important topic and it's such a topic that I know I've had a, had the similar thoughts and experiences with because the way that we got on it, like you reached out to me and sent me a video of like a podcast episode that I did that you thought was good and you commended me on the podcast episode. And like that was super cool. That was something that I had never had somebody with the exact same format that you did, like send a video message and, and send it to me. Like that was really cool. And that meant a lot. And I probably would have had you on my show regardless of that, if it was that personal or not, but it was really cool. And you, so you have a really good experience and really good background with building these kinds of relationships. But then again, it kind of get back to the myth or the thought processes. You know, if you're, if somebody else's, if you're exchanging gifts, like with your significant other or exchanging gifts with somebody else, there's always the thought of like, I got to get them something of the same amount that they're going to get me. I got to get something of the same dollar value that they're going to get me. And I'm just kind of thinking out loud. And then same thing, I've had so many experiences where people have done so much for me. And because both of us are relatively early on in our careers, you feel like indebted to them. And you're like, what What can I do? Like, what can I do for that person to make up for what they did for me? Um, and, and we think it needs to be of of the same magnitude or close to the same magnitude of what they did. But I think that partially we have to realize that yes, like be there to serve that person. It doesn't have to be as grandiose of a thing as you might think, but also realize that like I, I know from my mentors and some of the people that I've helped is like, we get so much fulfillment off of helping those people and we don't even care about having anything in return either. And they might not care about getting anything in return either. So we put so much pressure on ourselves that is completely unneeded. So let's flesh this out because you bring up an interesting point, right? It, it, you're talking about how we can get caught up in comparing value of gestures or value 
in exchange. But when it comes to value, how we value something comes to our perception and what we perceive XYZ gift or XYZ gesture as. So let's use a a tangible example. Let's use $1,000. If I say, you know, hey, Nick, you know, I got you something for a thousand bucks. I was like, yo, that really broke the bank for me. Like I'm hurting right now. And you're like, yo, I'll get you something for a thousand bucks. That's nothing to me, right? Like how we view that thousand, how we perceive that thousand really determines that. So tying it all in here, Mm -hmm. you might say, well, Matt, you know, me hosting you on your show weighs X, Y, Z in my mind. And I can rebuttal and, and I don't know, maybe in my mind, connecting you with Mel Robbins or this one or that one is of equal value to you, right? Like, dude, it really comes down to perception. And I've got caught up in that time and time again, especially when it comes to exchanging gifts with significant others. It's like, I did this for you. You did this for me. How, how does it weigh on the scale? You know, dude, I, I think perception is a really big factor in that regard. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, perception has its role in in so many different things, but I I totally agree in this. And I think the way that to practically apply it is, you know, if, if, if we're talking from a mentor standpoint or standpoint or talking from a standpoint of somebody doing something that you value to a really high degree and you feel indebted to them and you're thinking like you're scared to ask for help from people, try to keep in perspective like it was huge for you it might not have been as big of a pain for them. That doesn't mean like don't seek out a way to serve them. Don't seek seek out a way to give back because I feel like you always should, but I think it can help lower the amount of pressure that you might put on yourself to do so. Nailed it. Nailed it. Right. Furthermore, like, I don't know, dude, like, like I said, a lot of people, I know I'm one of them. Like I derive a lot of my worth for what I can do for others. Mm. Like I, I'm, I like to view myself as a servant. And if I'm not serving, I don't feel as good about it myself when I am serving conversation like this is a form of service, um, raising $15,000 for frontline workers during the pandemic, a, a form of service, building a library form of service. I love doing those things, you know? So I, I think when it comes down to the, the whole networking and maximizing our relationships, we, we really need to find out what value our, you know, confidants our our colleagues really put in, to service, right? Or, or put into whatever it is you may be asking them of. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Last thing I'll, I'll just tie this tie this up with is I think that all of us should seek to have relationships in our calendar, seek to have reaching out to people in our calendar practically so that we hold ourselves to a standard of service. We're going to take a brief pause in this episode to tell you about our brand new, never seen before, best-in-class virtual 10-week transformation experience. You can check it out today by going to nickcarrier.com. Now, look, if you're somebody who needs accountability to execute on a consistent basis with eating healthy and exercise, this virtual 10WT experience is for you. If you're somebody who is upset with themselves when they look at themselves in the mirror, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally, then the 10-week transformation is for you. If you're somebody who kind of knows what to do, but you struggle to actually do it, the 10-week transformation is for you. If you're somebody who loves community and loves support and loves being held accountable, the 10-week transformation is for you. With the 10WT, we teach people how to form the healthy habits, 
that will transform their body and their life. And now we have a brand new robust version of the program that can be completed from your home, your gym, or your anywhere. I mean, whether you live in Nashville or San Francisco, Atlanta or New York City, Houston or Denver, LA or Chicago, Sydney, Australia, or Toronto, Canada, you can even complete this thing in your hotel room. Our brand new virtual 10WT experience is like nothing you've ever seen before. We've had 453 people and counting who have skyrocketed their self-confidence by losing fat, building muscle, and building habits that they now have ingrained in their lifestyles by completing the 10WT, and it can do the same for you. Starting August 7th, we're gonna be coaching a group of 30 go-getters through their first ever 10WT experience, and you have the opportunity to be one of the first but there are limited spots available. Like I said, there are 30 spots and they're gonna go fast. So sign up by Tuesday, August 1st to secure your spot by going to nickcarrier.com. Again, by August 1st, go to nickcarrier.com. Again, if you need a greater level of accountability, the 10WT is for you. If you need help staying consistent with your workouts and eating habits, the 10WT is for you. If you wanna form healthy habits going into holiday season, the 10WT is for you. Remember, sign up by August 1st, to secure your spot, there are only 30 available by going to nickcarrier.com. When you join, I promise you, be prepared to show the world the healthiest, most confident, and best version of you. Go to nickcarrier.com to sign up today. But kind of want to transition, you know, th- transi- it's a good transition because you said relationships is the number one thing that you almost got out of the seven years of having that business. And obviously, getting to meet Damon John and then working for him was such a pivotal part of your life and your career. And I know the full story, but I think the full story is freaking awesome. And I know everybody else would love to hear the full story. So give us the story of how you got to meet Damon John, how how he was coming to your school and everything like that. Yeah, dude. I mean, full circle moment. I'll, I'll try to expedite it here. Um, as you mentioned, dude, I failed out of college. I just wasn't a good student, man. I mean, I just never put my time and attention into academics until I had to um went to private school my whole life so when I went to college I was smoking weed and next thing you know I'm just like oh I don't need to go to class until I realized well dude and on your syllabus it says if you miss three classes you fail like that that's just what it is without an excuse and I got carried away with that so it led me to fail out got my shit together went back to school and really started to like tap into what I was capable of in that regard I went to a school where the students just didn't have the same opportunities I had growing up. And I wanted to be able to provide them with those opportunities. So I stepped into student leadership in doing so beautiful opportunity had presented itself in numerous different regards. I was in beautiful Dominican Republic with two of my buddies, probably smoking weed on a beach and, you know, drinking some margaritas, like living life. This was in my quote unquote junior year, by the way, I was on the seven year plan that didn't get me the doctorate degree, but, um, I'll never forget getting a call on my iPhone at the time. And it said my college name, which was CUNY, York College, City University of New York, York College. I'm like, what the hell are they calling me for, dude? Like, I I literally paid my tuition myself because my parents cut me off right after I had failed out of college. I answer the phone. The woman's like, hey, would you like to meet Damon John? She Damon was just so happening to come to my school literally, I don't know, two days after I had gotten back. So I, you know, said in my head, this woman knows me so damn well, she really didn't even have to call to ask. Like, she knew I would be there. I was one of three students to meet him. Had a five minute conversation with him before he hit the stage in the green room, shook his hand. I'm six foot five. He's five foot five. He looked at me. He was like, what the hell do they teach you here? How to break people's hands. So it was good vibes off the bat. And 
at the end of our five minute conversation, I looked him in the eyes. I said, Damon, I'm going to work for you. He looked at me like I had 10 heads and I know I have one really big head, but I definitely don't have 10 of them. So uh, I didn't know how that went, but I had brought my mentor with me being that he wasn't a student. We sit in, we sat in different parts of the theater and after the speaking engagement, you know, it was like a fireside chat. Um, I was blown away by it. I met my mentor in the middle of the theater, a pretty big theater. I don't know how many people it holds. I would assume over a thousand. And my mentor and I met in the middle of the theater. We thought we were the last two people to leave the theater, but out of my peripheral vision, specifically my left eye, I saw Santa Claus or someone that at least looked like Santa Claus walking up the staircase. And I looked at my mentor. I'm like, yo, who is this guy? Like, he looks so familiar and not because he looks like Santa Claus. He looked just like a familiar face. Um, it happened to be who is now a very good friend of mine. His name is George Barnes. And my buddy, his name is Phil, my mentor. He was like, Matt, we we worked with him on some nightlife events in, in hospitality. Now, the reason I didn't know George like personally is because there's a pretty large age gap between him and I. But supposedly we worked on some parties together. So Phil and I had walked out. George was standing at the exit door, had a quick little conversation with George, introduced myself. And lo and behold, George works for Damon. And next thing you know, he got me back in the green room. Damon was like, dude, didn't we already take a picture? You want another picture? Just come on. He was like a little frustrated with me. And after I contacted George, I'm like, dude, I will do anything to intern. I will do it for free. Let me know what I have to do. He got me an interview. I aced the interview, got an internship, turned that internship into a job. I was with Damon for three years, ended up getting interviewed by him in 2021. And the rest is history, man. But um, relationships, dude, uh, relationships are key. Yeah, I love it. And there's a number of reasons why I want, wanted you to tell the story. One, because it's just a great story. Two, I think a couple of the biggest lessons that I'm, I at least extract from it. Number one is go do things. I think so many people are sitting at their desk, sitting on their couch, not doing things and trying to figure out what it is that they should do. What are their next steps? It's, it's like very seldom do we just get hits of inspiration when we're in, in action, when we're not doing anything. Go do things. Be around people who are doing stuff. Go around people who have the same values that you have and, and who knows, you might be introduced to somebody. You might learn something. You might get a spark of inspiration. So number one, go do something. Number two is commute communicating your goals to other people to me i think is so powerful not just because it forces you to speak out what your goal is but because then other people know what your goal is too and then that like increases the stakes of the game for you in your head of like oh they know my goal i i gotta really pursue this thing and then also you never know who might be able to support you help you provide you with information provide you with guidance with whatever your goal is right and it's like with you speaking that goal out to Damon John, you speaking that goal to your friend, that led you to being able to work with him, which has led to so many different things in your life and in your career. And so I think like go out there and don't be in isolation, don't be in, in action, be around people, be in action and be okay with having the courage and the boldness to communicate your goals to others. You nailed it, dude. You absolutely nailed it. I've always said that communicating goals out loud it's a form of accountability mm -hmm. right not only do if you communicate them to other people not only will people start to show up in your life that can catapult you closer to that goal but on the flip side for me at least it was a form of accountability like hey you said you were going to launch a podcast on december 4th of 2018 which is something that i did i made that public i was like wait i can't look like a fraud to the public 
Like I got to go and get it done. You know, dude, I've always been a huge, huge advocate for that. So I appreciate you depicting that and sharing that because it's massive. No doubt. Well, I mean, I think one of the things is we're so much more likely to let ourselves down than we are somebody else. And if we only keep our goals internal, then we only have ourselves to let down. And that's, that is painful and it lacks and it makes you lose confidence in yourself, but it's worse if you communicate it to a lot of people. A couple things that I want to ask, you have an awesome podcast called Decoding Success Podcast. And I want to ask you kind of a double-edged sword question. First one is, what have you, you've had so many successful, amazing people on there. What have you learned from those successful people that that you want to avoid? Like, what are some things that you're like, you've seen them fail and you're like, I'm going to do things differently because I've learned this and because they've screwed up in this particular way. So the first thing that, I mean, this is literally what's on the forefront of my mind. The thing that I want to avoid is something that I've also done where we can get so caught up in going from A to Z that we miss out on B to Y. And I hope Y comes before Z. Maybe it's X. I don't know my alphabet backwards, but uh, regardless, what I'm saying is we miss out on the bulk. So I'll give you an example. The premise of my show originally was to decode how someone previously defined success and how they define it today with understanding everything in the middle, right? I have personally, and I've seen it on my show numerous times where people have not embraced what's in the middle because they want to go from destination to destination without realizing B, C, D, E, F, G, all of the letters are also destinations. So, man, I can't tell you, I don't know how I define success today, but I'm also okay with that now. Like I, if you were like, Matt, how do you define success? Maybe I could rattle off like a few things off the heart or off the mind or, you know, just what comes up. But I can't give you the sexy definition because I'm in a season of embracing the in-between. Yeah. And I feel like what's not embraced enough are those moments. And am I perfect at it? Absolutely not, dude. Absolutely not. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, you know what? I wish I have this or I, I wish I had that. It's like, all right, well, what do you have right now? Like, let's just focus on that. Life has forced me recently to go step by step, to stop going so grandiose and just put one foot in front of the other. If I feel like a baby sometimes, I, I look at myself, I'm like, dude, what happened to you? You used to go like, you used to take leaps and bounds. Now you're just like, you're crawling. But sometimes we got to crawl, man. And I feel like that is one of the biggest things that I would like to avoid from what I've seen and heard from the people on my show. It's just like rapid fire, trying to get through life like this. Like, mm. Chill, chill, divine timing. Well, I think that's a definition. That's a valid definition of success in and of itself, right? It's like not defining success as Z, like defining success as enjoying B, C, D, E, F, so on and so forth. And that's because for me, when I first started, when I first graduated college and started my business, that was definitely the thing that I struggled with the most is patience. It's like, get me, get me here, get me here, get me here. But I've continually gotten a little bit better at being able to like enjoy the journey and be thankful and happy in the moment because again it's like so many of us have the thought process of i'll be happy when i'll be happy when i can make a certain amount of money i'll be happy when i am this number on the scale i'll be happy when i have a relationship if, if you can't find a way to be happy now that i think that's the only sustainable way to do it is find a way to be happy 
And I think it's kind of an internal thing being being happy with yourself and who you are rather than what you're going after. But the flip side of that question to an extent is, so we talked about what you're going to try to avoid because of what you've learned from other people. What are some of the thing, like maybe one of the biggest things that you're doing based off of what you learn? What is maybe like the biggest habit or the biggest thing that you've done being like, okay, this is what all of these people do. I, I have to do this if this is where they are. I'm I'm torn between two replies. Um, let's go. Let's go both of them then. First one is being insanely curious, uh, and and you are as well, Nick. I mean, as a host, I've listened to your show. I complimented your show. I appreciate what you put out into the world because of your curiosity, right? Like you don't have a question sheet that you're like looking down at, like you're, you're, you're curious about what we're talking about being insanely curious because you and I could both be walking down a street in New York city, see a pit bull. I run the other way. You run to the pit bull perception, like how we perceive things. You can tell me a story and I could really resonate with it. And I could hear a similar story from someone else and not resonate with it as much. So me being insanely curious, not just on the podcast, but in life, like, hmm. what does this pasta taste like? What does this chicken dish taste like? Like, just expanding the horizons. We can get so caught up in being like this with blinders on because of what we're so used to. But expanding the horizons through curiosity has been absolutely massive. Um, and then the second thing to bring this full circle, for the most part, everyone that I speak with on the show has turned inward and I love, and I guess the two intertwine here in regards to being curious and turning inward, but like, I love hearing what other people's journeys of turning inward are like for them when they did it, how they did it, what it looks like, how does it still look like? How does it feel? Um, all of that, man, all of that, because there's nothing in the world greater than feeling like you're a part of a community. And in my opinion, um, that family could be, I'm sorry, the community can be family. It could be friends. It could be groups. It could be the people you see in the gym in the morning or at night it could literally be anything. And when you're able to build a sense of resonance with that group, dude, it, it's next level. And I feel like that's what I'm, I'm doing for myself selfishly with, uh, with the show. That's great, man. That's great. Those are really good ones. I've curiosity, no doubt about it and turning inward. I love it too. Um, well, Matt, before I ask the last question, man, I just want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you for all the growth that you've had for your ability to take responsibility over reparenting yourself and responsibility for your own perceptions and realizing they're your own perceptions and realizing other people have the right to their own perceptions and, and, and navigating relationships with that in mind. And then also want to acknowledge you for the way that you approach relationships as well, for you to put such a high value on it and have really solid routines and not just for the sake of routine, but you're super meaningful with all of the reach outs, the emails, the calls, the texts and stuff like that. The meaningfulness of it, I know, is what really allows other people to want to have you in their circle. I appreciate that, brother. And uh, I'm going to take a quick moment to say thank you once again and express gratitude, dude. I mean, grateful not only for this moment, but for what you're putting out in the world, man. You're you're bringing people to the best version of themselves with conversations like this. That's without a doubt. 
I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Well, I know everyone's going to want to go learn more about you and start following you and listen to the podcast and everything. So y'all make sure you go follow him on Instagram first and in social media at Matt underscore Labrie. And Labrie is L-E-B-R-I-S. You can also listen to his podcast, the Decoding Success Podcast. Like I said, he's had so many amazing people on. So make sure y'all go subscribe and check that out. And you can also find his website at mattlabrie.com. Uh, Matt, are there any other good places that people should go learn more about you and support you? No, that's perfect, dude. I mean, listen, I'm I'm probably on social media way more than I should be. So I'm answering DMs. I'm doing all of that myself, man. Uh, I have a good time doing it. I love connecting with people, but that's perfect, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Matt, the last question is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, our experience, our homecoming, maybe, uh, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I think that we don't actually ever get to that best version of ourselves, And I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So this last question is for you personally. If there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of Matt Labrie that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Number one, be patient. Number two, give myself empathy and grace. I'll kind of put that together. And number three, embrace the courage that's already within. Right off the top of my head, um, number one, patience. Two, give empathy and grace. Number three, there's courage. You know, it takes courage to do that. And we have that courage. Courage is a muscle. You know, you, you might only have a little, a little bit of it today. Tap into that little bit. Next day it will build. It, it fills up the gas tank, man. That courage gas tank fills up. The, the, those are my top three. Mm, that's great, man. That's great. There was so many amazing things in here today, man. Like reparenting yourself, how you talked us through a lot of those different perception things, talking about relationships and how important it is to value those and how to make sure that when other people do something for you to not blow it up and put some unrealistic standard or expectation or pressure on yourself to follow through at some level that is unneeded, but to still serve in the way that you're able to and, and you see fit. Um, so many great things, Matt. I really appreciate it, man. That's all we got. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much, Nick. Such an awesome episode with Matt. I mean, there were so many gems in there that I hope that you extracted out of this episode. Also, remember to try out our free trial of the 10-week transformation. The free trial will give you three things. Number one, you'll learn the five steps to goal success. Two, you'll gain access to three free workouts that are high energy, very motivating, and are sure to be fun and give you a great sweat. And number three, you'll learn how to plan and set yourself up for success each and every week. You can sign up for that free trial today by going to nickcarrier.com slash free trial. Again, gain access to these three workouts that you're going to love right now by going to nickcarrier.com slash free trial. Y'all remember to keep perception in mind. How you perceive something is often much different than how somebody else perceives it. And keeping that perspective in mind and taking responsibility for your own perception and giving other people the right to their own perception is super critical in so many ways. Also, remember to ask your ask for help when you need it. Not in a needy way, but in a humble way and a curious way. And yes, you want to find a way to serve that person in return, but don't put so much pressure on yourself to do it in some massive, grandiose way. And lastly, remember to put yourself in situations that allow you to create your own luck. Just like Matt went to see Damon John when he was in college, you can create your own luck too. Now, you don't have to meet a celebrity. It doesn't take a celebrity to change your life, 
you never know who might have the ability to take you from A to B to C to D all the way to potentially Y and Z. If you can understand this idea of how people have varying perceptions, if we can ask for help, if we can place a high value on relationships and then create your own luck, then you'll undoubtedly continue to get closer and closer to your best you.